the real. Good morning. Oh, it's good to be here with everybody. <laughs> good to see everybody, even though I don't see you real well. <laughs> they laughed at me at Johnson County one time when I said that. I had done a song and I said, oh, it's good to see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just don't see real clearly, you know. See through a glass dimly. And that's spiritually and physically. <laughs> Lord help us, you know. We'd like for you to turn, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. And uh, Jim will be available. I think it's still Jim this time. Bud this time. Oh, Bud this time, okay. All right. I recognize that voice. Yes. He's going to be handing out Bibles if you need one. And we just want to welcome you this morning. It's always, it's a blessing for us. To come back to Calvary, Wichita, it's just, it's just a blessing. We had a blessed time. We learned a lot when we were here, and um, we love all y'all. And uh, so would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this opportunity for us to spend time in your word here this morning as we look at this portion of scripture. I would ask, Lord, that you would just speak to us by your Holy Spirit that you'd impart your spirit of wisdom to us in the revelation of the knowledge of you, Father God, that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding, that we may really know and experience the realness of the inheritance we have in you and the calling upon our lives, the hope we have in you, Lord. And so would you speak to us now? Would you teach us by your Holy Spirit? Father, we, we depend on you. We're really nothing without you. Um, that whole phrase to begin the Sermon on the Mount there, blessed is, blessed is the poor in spirit, or the poor in spirit. Oh, Father, it's when we come closer and closer into the realization of our depravity that we are in a position to look to you, to strengthen us, to rebuild us, and to make us different people with that new nature you give us when we come to know you as our Savior. When we're born again, Lord spiritually. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I've entitled this message, like, what did I entitle? Well, just a real simple, <laughs> it's right in your Bible probably, the temptation of Jesus. And as I had said earlier in the first service, I had of course, been in this section before and taught it before and, and realized what, that Jesus was quoting Scripture, of course. But I was listening to David Jeremiah one time, and, and I think John Corson, different ones have pointed it out, but that, that's, those are who stand out to me at this point. And um, <clears throat> I remember David Jeremiah talking about, you know, you've got the, the armor of God, which Pastor Patrick will be I think he's in Ephesians, if I remember the email right. And is in chapter 4, but will be in chapter 6, and we'll be hitting that whole armor of God in more detail than I will. I'm just using it as a quick reference to where we're going here. But you've got that beautiful armor of God. You know, we're, we're told to stand, and having done all to stand, and we're to, we're to put on the armor of God, you know, that belt of truth, that whole... Um, belt of truth there that holds in place the breastplate of righteousness, you know. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, you see. Being prepared. That helmet of salvation. Oh, how important it is for the head to be protected. Our thought life, you see. In knowing Christ. And then, of course, that shield of the Spirit. And I love that. I, well, I love it all. But I, as I think of the shield of the Spirit, I remember... Uh, Dr. McGee pointing out when he was doing this, uh, teaching this area, how that in his early years, those different kinds of doubts he had about things and, and he was concerned and, and he just would put up that shield of faith. By faith, God was going to show him. And, it, and of course, we know as, you're in, as we're in the word, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, you see, that shield of faith. And then, you know, there's that 
offensive, those are all defensive weapons. You remember the shield goes up to protect you. The breastplate of righteousness is protecting the vitals. That belt of truth, you know, you defend with truth. And, and of course, the, the, the helmet of salvation is protecting your head and your feet shod. Got to have the right shoes on in the battle, right? You don't want those slippery sandals like they would have, could have. They, but they had good, good grippers on the bottom, you know, whatever they used. I can't remember. You'll find that as I teach this morning, I'll probably forget a word or two here and there. I'm, as I seem to be getting younger, I get, get less uh, good with the memory, I feel like. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they had the right equipment on, see, and that's how important it is for us to put on the right armor, you see. Well, that offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, is actually, you, you've got in Hebrews 4.12, the logos, the word, the word of God is, is quick, living, sharper than any two-edged sword, you know, piercing, even dividing of soul and spirit and the, and the, 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 the bone and marrow and all. And, 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 and it, that declares what the word of God is. The sword of the spirit is rhema, that spoken word. And we really see the beautiful example of what, how Jesus uses and speaks the word in this situation. He quotes the word. And, and, I'm, I'm, uh, and, and how that, that came, that obviously he knew the word. How important is, is, it, is it for us to know the word? So those scripture come to mind, you see, as God, as we know the word, as we're in the word, the Holy Spirit brings those things to mind in, 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 in a setting where we might, might be being tested or tried or, or, or tempted, you see. And so we see a beautiful example of how Jesus responded to temptation. And so that's in Matthew 4 here, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read through the section just to give us an overall picture here. And I'm going to lay this right here so I can use both. Okay, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said... If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God... Throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, Again you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. <clears throat> and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. All right, here we go. Let's settle in, guys. And I was a little long-winded first service. Don't get scared. We'll make it. <laughs> um, so, as we look at this, uh, <clears throat> let me get down here. We see that, as I said, Matthew 4 is a good example, you see, of this whole idea of, of the spoken word and how Jesus responded. To begin with, uh, we want to look over here at Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17, okay? And, just, and, and, and we're going to discuss that just a little bit, okay? <clears throat> then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to really tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? 
There's that wonderful conjunction we see all the time that does good things for us. Sometimes it shows us, well, never mind. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There's another place where he says that, and I think it was over the transfiguration, and he said, And hear ye him, I believe it was. But you see this, this section here, this, this ultimate, Jesus identifies us with baptism and this beautiful experience. We, uh, we see the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and what a, a neat experience that is shared there. And, and we, too, have different mountaintop experiences that are very much a blessing to us. And we go, oh, wow, I'm on cloud 20 or 30. And then, boom, a trial, a testing, something comes and we're on cloud two, you see. Many times, then after that mountaintop experience, temptations, trials, or test times can come. Now, let's look at verse 1 and 2 then. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Notice who he was led by, up by. And notice we started with the word then. So we see this continuation here, this beautiful mountaintop experience. And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. And so we see in this, this situation the, uh, him being led and he's led for a purpose by the Spirit. For he was led to be actually the, to, to, to be tempted, tested by, by the Spirit of God. That's heavy. And, after, and he had fasted 40 days. And obviously we, we knew hunger would have been setting in. And there's those times where... If you begin to lose hungry, hunger after all that starvation time, I guess you're to be pretty concerned, you know. <clears throat> when we think of the word tempted, now let's consider that. It's really uh, the same word. You, 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 it can be used for testing and also for, and, and so we might divide that by saying trials. There's one way that we're, you can use the word temptations. Uh, are, are, you know, uh, some Bible versions will say trials, you know, count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into different trials. And uh, I think our New King James and King James uses the word temptation. And then, uh, you know, because count it all joy when you fall into those, because, you know, there's a work that God's going to do in your heart. So when we think of that, we, we all, and then, and then there's that time where we, we face Actual temptations, you see. And it's really, one deals with a relationship. God uses the tests, and, and ultimately God uses everything for, for, for His glory. But He never tempts us to do evil, as we'll read later. But usually the temptations draw us and affect our relationship with Christ, you see. And so we've got the, the idea of being, of this tempting the, 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 to evil, but we can... Uh, go through, you know, times of testing as well, which God uses again to reprove or strengthen or to build us up. And so there are those times, and boy, we can all relate to that, those times of testing, right? And then the fight that we have with the temptations. Satan will always tempt us or entice us to sin. Remember, ultimately, as I said, God is in control. 
Don't ever forget that. God is in control. Now, as we think about this whole idea of temptations and temptings, trials, let's turn over to James chapter 1. And let's look over here, James chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. And so as we begin here in verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You see, that those temptations that we go through, those, those testing times, that crown of life, eternal life, we've got that to look forward to. Remember, this world isn't our home. We're just passing through. But boy, I'll tell you, as we take the trip as pilgrims, we deal with testings. We deal with temptations. We deal with many things. But remember, all that God allows in our life has a purpose. Whatever you're facing today, are you having health issues? Are you depressed? Are you finding pride to get the best of you? If you will yield to the Lord, trust Him. He has purposes in each situation to cause us to examine ourselves. He knows our hearts. He knows who we are. But boy, we don't. We're fickle. We can't make up our minds about anything, really. And those who have really, really, really sure themselves, they aren't as sure as they appear. Verse 13 now, let's look at that. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And so remember, we talked about that word testing or temptation having its two emphasis. One for testing and trials and those things that God uses test-wise. And of course, there are those temptations that we face where Satan wants to mess with our brain. And, and of course, with all the weird desires we can have, and if we're not careful in being enticed, we can fall into that and we'll continue on with that. But God never tempts us to do evil, nor would he be tempted to do evil. But oh, that is a struggle that we all face. Verse 14, but notice the result here. But each one is tempted when? When he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Ooh, drawn away and enticed. Those two words kind of get you in the gut, don't they? And all of us have that in common. At one time or another, different times, we've, we've been drawn away. And you know what, what, what we'll, we'll talk about this more, but Satan has a way of, of trying, you know, causing us to get our eyes focused on something, really ourselves, rather than others. You remember, you remember the true definition of joy? Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. Amen? That's true joy. But boy... We have to be so aware of the way in which we can be enticed. It's, when it's, it's within each of us to fall in sin. We have this old man, this old nature that keeps wanting to crop up. And we have this new nature. We've been born again. But we aren't rid of the old nature till we go to be with God and you know, go to glory. And so there is that struggle. And Paul talked about it in Romans, didn't he? That's sinning, doing things he didn't want to do and not doing things he wanted to do and all that. Oh, God, who will deliver me? You know, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord, you see. That's a lot of paraphrase because I'm not going to read all that. Or, but you know what I mean. Verse 15, then, here's, here's what continues to happen then. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now notice, it's not... You haven't, because, because the temptation is there and all this enticing goes on, 
It's not sin until it's conceived. You, you do it. It's how we react, you see. What are we going to do with that temptation? What are we going to do when those thoughts come across our mind? Oh, I'm amazed at thoughts. We really can't control them, can we? And this isn't amazing, and I heard Pastor Chuck say this once too. It's amazing about the, the, little, the little creepy things that pop up in our mind, and yet we're trying to think of a certain scripture, and it won't come to our mind. But boy, we can sure think of that weird, terrible thing we did 20 years ago and be condemned or, or let it be something that entices us again. You see? Oh, I tell you. And that's what we have to be careful about. With, then when desire has conceived, when, when it actually takes place, that conception takes place, you know, a pregnancy doesn't happen until the conception happens, right? Same thing with this sin thing. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. You see, that's when the, 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 we, we're, we're sinners, you see. We sin because we're sinners. You see, a horse thief, as Pastor Chuck said, he's not a, he's a horse, he steals the horse because he was a horse thief. You see, and that's what we deal with. So then when, de that, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full, full grown, oh God, I hate to even think of that sickness that gets there when you think, brings forth death. Think about death. See, Adam and Eve, mercy. You see, when, 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 when God told them if, if, the, 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 the day you, you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. And it didn't just mean physical death. They were, they, it was spiritual death. And oh, they sure tried to hide, didn't they? Like God didn't know where they were. And boy, did they try to cover their sin. And they say that wasn't very comfortable. <laughs> Fig leaves. But it took God to shed blood, you see. Cover them with skins. That's when things... And then that's, that was the whole thing that looked toward, you see, the work of the cross. Genesis 3.15, that first prophetic scripture about Satan bruising the heel and, 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 and all, and that, of course, Jesus would come and die on the cross. Let's turn over to Hebrews 2, 17, beginning with verse 17. Hebrews 2, verse 17. And <clears throat> now, remember, when, when the book of Hebrews, is, is, it was, the emphasis was expressing God, the Lord Jesus, being superior to all of that which the Jewish people leaned on. In other words, he was, they were, Jesus was superior to the prophets. Now, they were all good, don't get me wrong. But he was superior to the prophets, the angels, Moses, Aaron, and the priesthood, all that, because that looked, that was all pointing toward Jesus. Amen? And then you see, as then when, when Jesus came, and of course these Hebrew Christians were getting discouraged and persecuted and all, and they were wanting, they were having a tendency to want to lean back toward the law. And they couldn't redo that. The law was to show us our need for a Savior. We couldn't measure up. We couldn't keep it, you see. That's why they, and of course they, they, they sacrificed the, the animals to cover sins. They didn't just sacrifice one animal. Oh man, there was a whole lot of sacrifices going on you see, all the time to cover the sin. And it looked to what Jesus would do. And so the, the author, the, the, the Word of God in Hebrews was pointing out, guys, don't go back to it. Uh-uh. That doesn't get it. That just looked to Jesus. Jesus is the sacrifice, the final atonement, you see. So Hebrews 2.17, Therefore, in all things... He had to be made like his brethren, okay? 
He came to earth, didn't he? That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make provision, propitiation for the sins of the people. And so that's the interesting thing, guys, that he, he, did it, he, he, he did it so amazingly by being born as a little baby. God being the father and Mary his mother and how he came to earth and, and would walk among us, live among people, declare the truth of God, heal, die on the cross, raise from the dead, you see. What a glorious thing he did for us. Verse 18, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. You see, he understands. He went through it. Over in 2 Corinthians 5, around 21, he became sin who knew no sin, that he, we, he might become our righteousness. You see, he never sinned, but he who knew no sin, you see. And so in light of the grace of God and, and in light of what we have in Christ, we don't have to, we don't have to sacrifice the, the little lamb like they did. There was one lamb sacrificed for the sins of all, Jesus Christ. And we can come to God boldly. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest. You remember the high priest, he continually had to sacrifice those animals. But for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? Well, but was in all points tempted as we are. And what was the result of his temptations? Yet without sin. You see? Heavy duty. Now let's look at verse 16. And as a result of Christ in us, the hope of glory. I love this verse, 16. Let us therefore come boldly or freely to the throne of grace. We come to the throne of grace. Grace. I, I, I've heard, uh, um, I think I heard David Jeremiah give this acronym of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Amen? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. Not proudly, not, not with pride, but that boldness is like a freedom, I think. It can come freely because we come through Christ. We don't deserve any of it, but we come because of what Christ did for us. So we see that Jesus, now as we're getting back to our section, had to give a little background there. So we see that Jesus was led of the Spirit. That's the interesting thing. And so God does allow us to be tested. He will never tempt us to do evil, to be, you know, tempted for evil. But even when we're tempted for evil, ultimately it can be used by God. But Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We also see that when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now let's look at, uh, uh, actually, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and we'll read verses 3 through 5 just to keep us good. <clears throat> now, let's, let's, we're going to break these down in these verses here. Now, when the tempter came, because that would be, you know, he was led of the Spirit to be tempted by the devil, so the tempter would be the devil, came to him, he said, If you were the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Okay, well, let's look at this here then. And uh, I'm going to take us along here. And so in verses 3 through, um, well, let, let's, let's reverse here a minute. I've got some notes I want to share before, and I won't reread that. I got ahead of myself. That happens. I didn't get ahead of myself last time. I got, I kept on going and went too long. But <laughs> other than that, okay. In verses 3 through, I'll have to kid about that a little bit just to make myself not feel bad about it. In verses 3 through 10, we see Satan tempt, and I've got to bring this out. I got in a hurry. Uh, <clears throat> we see Satan tempt Jesus three different times, and we see Jesus' response, okay? Now, yes, sirree, Solomon one of his statements was Solomon said, there is nothing new under the sun. And we must remember that. We will see in this portion of Scripture three typical ways Satan tempts us. Now, remember, when he does it, he uses different disguises. He isn't going to use the same little... The three principles will be pretty much the same. He's, but, but he will use different disguises. And so it seems to be, <clears throat> through the lust of the eye is one of the ways, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That letter I is in the middle of pride, isn't it? Oh, man. And so those three ways typically... In, in, are, are, are how Satan hits us, you know. It, and it will vary from those three ways. Lust of I, you know, what we see, lust of the flesh, and that, all that mess, and the pride of life. Let's look over at 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. <clears throat> and John gives us a nice little layout here of this whole world and all this mess we, we live in. Beginning in verse 15, <clears throat> excuse me, do not love the world or the things in the world. In other words, the world system, you see. This, this, there are things about the world that look beautiful, you know, you, all the trees, of course, it's all been cursed in some way or another, right? But, uh, the beautiful land, the, the mountains. You go to Colorado and you love the mountainous things. You go, uh, those who are, are beach lovers, you go to, down to the Gulf, you go to the Atlantic, you go to the Pacific, wherever. Enjoy the beach and all that good stuff and hope the waves don't beat you down too bad. You learn to handle that or you feel bad. Anyway, so do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... This would be, the, this, this would be uh, the result of loving the world. The love of the Father is not in him. And so this world system, we're not, we're not of it, but we're in it. And we're, we're faced with all that can affect our eye gate, our ear gate, our smell, our taste, just our overall feeling. Ear, eye, taste, smell. You know, and all that good stuff. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And you, so it's, it's okay, you know, hey, we got our eyes, we got, we got our feelings, our flesh, we got our, uh, you know, are, are, are um, recognizing all that's around us and, and uh, the, the different feelings inside of those things we, we appreciate and all. But it's when lust is the issue, the issue, when pride is the issue, lust of the eye, the flesh, the pride of life, those things that are preeminent, that's what gives us trouble, you see. That, that shows us to be self-centered. Verse 17, and the world is passing away. Remember that too. This world is in our home. 
this old world can pass away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Abides, that's a neat word. You see that greatly over in John 15. Now, the <clears throat> ultimately, kind of, you might say, the will of God is, is to, to, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, really, and, and what He came to do. Because as you, as you come to Christ, as you come to know Him as your Savior, you're seeking Him, you're going to better know what the will of God is. Without, without Christ, we really live a, a somewhat of a chaotic life, even though it may look like to you it's in order. But God is not a God of, uh, of, uh, of chaos or disorder, you see. I love, I, I didn't bring this little, this came to my mind just now, so hang in. I, one of the times I shared, I think one of the last, one of the times I shared here, we were in Daniel, and I, I remember reading a, uh, I had found a uh, quote from A.W. Tozier. And, and this is going to, without it being in front of me, it's going to be a, uh, um, you know, not totally uh, word for word. But basically, he said in this quote, whenever it looks like what is going on around you is chaotic and it looks like the world's in chaos, remember behind the scenes, there's a God who is in, in, in total control. Amen? And so you see, the, um, and so in verse 17 again, and the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who, do, he who does the will of God abides forever. So we see the tactics used, the same tactics really way at the beginning used on our first parents. After Satan had deceived Eve, you remember, questioned her, did God really say? And that's, that, that's what happens. Satan wants to cause doubt about the Word of God, the authenticity of the Word of God. And as I said in the first service, that is, that is the problem in many of the churches today. They're not taking the Word of God for what it says. They're, they're conveniently using it for what they want to believe. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, it isn't going to come out good. But, after he had deceived her and questioned the word of God, did God really say, no, if, if you, it, no, it's, if, it's not, you're not going to die. You're going to, if you eat of that, you're going you're gonna to be like God. You're going to know the difference between good and evil, all that stuff, you see. And boy, she got enticed, didn't she? But we read, and, and, and let's see what the result really, this, the uh, Genesis 2.6 gives us a nice little summation. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree... Uh, desirable to make one wise. You see how she was pulled into that? She started thinking about herself and, oh man, I can, I can be wise. I can, oh, that, that kind of looks good to eat, you see, and all. And then what does she do? She took of its fruit and ate. And so she's the one deceived over here. And then she also gave it to her husband. Oh, Adam. Oh, Adam and his Adam's apple. <laughs> they always talk about, you know, the guys that Adam and they, they named it, they add that, that portion after Adam. Isn't that interesting? So she also gave to her husband with her. And did he say, Eve, you shouldn't have done it? Or did he say, before she ate it, Eve, don't eat that? Remember what God said? No, he ate it. And we see the results thereof. Amen? Yes. But, <clears throat> here's the thing. 
that's been what has been had to be faced in life ever since between men and women and husbands and wives. Keeping that balance of what I'm sure Pastor Patrick taught about over the over the weekend. There, you know, when you think of Ephesians 5 and how it's all laid out, God has an order and he has a purpose, you see. And so the so through the lust of the the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the Pride of life. This is what took place. <clears throat> Just making sure I had my pages right there. I had, they came apart the first service, so I'm making sure they're, they're in line. Okay. Uh, one other place. Now, wait a minute. <clears throat> Let me turn my page, and here we go. You can count on the fact that I'll staple those good next time. Uh, and so when we looked at verse 3 and 4, you remember, <clears throat> he, 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 he said, since you're the Son of God. So the word, actually I said since because that's the better word than if. It's, 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 it's not questioning if, you know, it's since would be the better, the better word to use. The word if doesn't, isn't as good, but that's what's uh, put there. We see the tempter tempting Jesus. He said, if you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Of course, he's taking the situation there to tempt him, to test him, because he knows he's hungry. It's 40 days. But Satan is doing this. And so we see the tempter te tempting Jesus to use his gifts or power to turn the stones into bread, you see, focusing on him, you see. And remember, and we see it very strongly pointed out in John, Jesus was always in tune with the Father. I do what the Father tells me to do. The Father wasn't, it wasn't the Father saying, turn those stones into bread. It was Satan, right? And so we know anytime uh, Satan is tempting anyone to do anything, that that goal is never upright. Amen? Got to keep that in mind. So it looks like Satan is tempting him to use his gift for his own purposes, see? So Jesus responds by quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3 there. So we see then Jesus using the sword of the Spirit, the rhema, the Word of God. You see, He is quoting that Scripture. That is something we can do in those times of temptation, you see, as we know the Word. That's why it's so important that we know the Word. So we, so we see that attack really on the lust of the flesh in this section. But knowing the Word of God is so important. And hiding it in your heart. Well, we'll mention that again, of course. I can't tell you enough how important it is to read it. And, and, and read it, you know, I don't even think we should worry about how much we read at once. Sometimes we... I, and I think these yearly reading, we should, I mean, read it as much as we can. I think it was uh, George Mueller that, of course, he didn't have a TV to bother him and a radio and all that mess. But he read it at least four times a year, I think, through, you see. I'm a whole lot slower about that. <laughs> but I have to say, it, even if you don't read as much as you would like, be sure you read it. Be sure you pray as you read it. Ask God to speak to you by His Holy Spirit, to teach you by His Holy Spirit what He wants you to learn. It's so important to spend that time in prayer doing that. As you're reading the Word, as I'm reading Psalms, as I'm reading, if I read a prayer of Paul's, I may stop right there and say, Lord, would you work that in me? Would you impart your spirit of wisdom to me? Would you strengthen me with your might? Whatever it might be, I figure if Paul prayed it and it's in the Word of God, it's a good principle to pray for my life. Amen? 
Now, let's look at verses 5 through 7. 5 through 7. And then, the, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, notice here we are, back to the word, and it, it, it is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. How important, you see. And so as you look at that, and, and here we see the attack concerning the pride of life. We see here Satan turn, uh, quoting scripture. Psalm 91, 11, and 12. But notice what he, but he, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't quote it completely. Satan left out to guard you in all your ways, you see. And, and he's wanting him to, to just, because, you know, he's the son of God and you know, the scripture says the angels will bear you up. Just, why don't you just throw yourself down? Well, first of all, what's the point? Really, right? Sure, if you were to fall and God chose to bear you up, His word says He can do it. So as we are walking in the ways of the Lord, we can trust Him. As he guides us, you see. We don't have to, we're not going to tempt him to just all of a sudden <clears throat> see if he'll do it, you know. So you see, Jesus quotes scripture, Deuteronomy 6.16. We can trust God, you see, in all of this. <clears throat> to take care of us, but we are not to tempt the Lord. Put him to the test. We don't want to do that. Now stop and think about this. And, and I, I want to give you a, a, an example that we've all heard through the years. Uh, two examples. I'll give you a, an example of, you know, you used to hear the stories down in Arkansas and places where uh, they had these religious activities of, you know, handling snakes, you know. And, and since, since Jesus pointed out in Mark 16 about you may, you know, uh, have, have to deal with uh, serpents or whatever and he'll protect you and so on and so forth. But you're not to just grab him to test the Lord and see if he will and let the rattlesnake get you. Because I'm going to tell you, if he gets you, you better get some venom, some, some anti-venom thing or you're going to glory sooner than you thought. <laughs> but now Jesus... We'll protect in those things, and, and, and you know, a good, a positive example, or at least a biblical example, will give you concerning Paul over in the, at the island of Miletus. You remember, he, they had, had the, he was on his way to Rome, and you know, uh, the the um, the folks on ship didn't listen to Paul because he told them it's going to be a dangerous deal if we took it. You know, this route. Sure enough, they had shipwreck, and they end up on the island of Miletus there. And, and, and so they're wet and damp, and man, uh, and they're, they're you know, getting a fire built and all. And Paul is helping pick up sticks and wood, stuff to, to, to stoke the fire with, and a viper takes hold of his finger. Well, now, he shook that thing off, and he didn't die. But you see, he didn't purposely test the Lord, did he? No, he's going about his business. He might have had bad eyes, you know, wait, that's thought. But anyway, he wasn't, he wasn't just tempting the Lord. Hey, Lord, I know, man, I'm just going to grab that snake and see what he does to me. No, he was going about picking up wood and all and going about serving the Lord, just as it talked about in Mark 16. And the viper got him. And he shook it off. And it didn't do anything to him. You see, it doesn't mean God won't protect us in situations, but we're not to test him. All right, let's, let's look at verse 8. We're, we're going to look at verse 8 now 
through 10, and we'll keep on, we'll keep on keeping on. <clears throat> Verse 8, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Interesting thing here. So we, now we see the attack of the lust of the eye. You know, he's, he's showing him all this stuff. Notice Satan's tactic this time. We see what he offers him. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan is referred to as the God of this age or world. In Ephesians 2, 2, Satan is referred to as the prince, the power of the air. You see, Adam and Eve gave it up, the earth. In that dominion, you see. And so what's Satan doing here? We see that he's the prince of the air, the god of this, this world and all that. And that this world system, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, flesh the pride of life. So it looks like here Satan is offering all this to Jesus if he will worship him. You know, fall down prostrate and worship him. And I've heard commentators say, I think I've heard Chuck, but it, it, it is like tempting Jesus to not go the way of the cross. You see? But notice, Jesus, what does he do? He quotes scripture again, doesn't he? Out of Deuteronomy 6.13. He, he spoke the word. He remembered, of course, he wrote the word. <laughs> he is the word. But he exampled it and demonstrated it for us, didn't he? The word. God's word. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I've said this before, but I, when I think of that verse, lamp unto our feet... Right where we are, he meets us with his word. But he also has his word that has given us what we can expect down the road, right? Down the path? Because we know in his word he said he's coming again. You see, it's a lamp unto our feet. And he meets us right where we are with his word as we're walking day to day. But he also lights the path ahead and we know what his word says we can expect down the road in terms of prophecy and in terms of, of what he's going to do. You see what I'm saying? It's so important to remember. He meets us where we are. Right today, wherever you are, he's right there for you. And his word is, is applicable to whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing. So you see, that you, you see this example that Jesus gave us. He quoted scripture. The Son of God who came to earth as a man, yet being God, responded to these temptations as a man, exampling to us how to respond. You see, we can do that. We can have the word to respond to. When you're... If you're in a situation, you've been all of a sudden tempted to go against the Word of God. You're tempted to commit adultery. You're tempted to do whatever. Remember, if you will but quote God's Word, 
Remind yourself of what his word says. And then ask him to work it out in your heart. You see, it's one thing to quote it, but it's another thing to be obedient. Amen? You see, you can say it all day long, you know. But you've got to submit to it then. Submit to what you know to be true, even though you don't feel like it. And, and, and you know, I can't tell you that enough. And you need to read it when you, even when you don't feel like it, no matter what you're going through. If you're depressed, I, I went through some depressing times. And I remember just having to obediently read the Word. And the section I remember being in a whole lot was the book of Psalms. And I would, I would be reading that. And I remember we had, we had moved from Mark City to Kansas City. I started a new job. I had been so depressed and so I felt so useless and didn't have the confidence to do anything. But I, I just had to keep on keeping on. And I remember reading the Word of God. And where it might say, for example, uh, where, you know, where there might be a, a, a Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I might remind myself, Lord, thank you for being my shepherd because I am just in a bad way. Would you bring me through this? One of, one of, the, words, one of the scriptures I shared with my son one time when it, 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 I was looking in Psalm 119, and it's a very neat a, a scripture to me. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 9. It'll be kind of King James when I give it to you. I kind of mixed the two. Because so, so long, all I had was King James and Braille. And, you know, that's what I've memorized a lot. But anyway, I love it. Wherewithal shall a young man... And you women, you can, you can hang on to this too. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse thy way? By taking heed to thy word. Amen? You must do that. By faith. And then... After you read 10, you get down to 11. He's talking to you about hiding it in your hearts. So it is important for us to hide God's word in our hearts so that we won't sin against God. <clears throat> the word of God, you see, is our offensive weapon against the temptations of the devil. Now we're going to finish... Let's just look at verse 11 real quick. We're just about done here, guys. And I don't think I got as long-winded today this time as I did first. So, <clears throat> But anyway, verse 11, and it's neat. Then, then the devil left him. Always remember, though, he may leave us for a bit, but he'll come back, huh? Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Isn't that neat? They came and ministered to him. <clears throat> and let's see here. Let me get where I was. <clears throat> or where I should be. Now, so notice the devil left him. Notice the devil left him and angels came and ministered to him. So that would be that ministering, ministered, served, served him. And it's thought that he, they, probably, they probably fed him. Suppose he got some angel food cake or something. <laughs> but at any rate, they ministered to him. See, you see, notice how he waited on the Lord. And, he, and, 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 and rather than, than do what Satan was tempting him to do, he was wanting to be obedient to the Father. So he, as he quoted those scriptures, as, as he reminded, uh, as he quoted those different scriptures and those three ways in which he was tested, and he didn't turn the stone into bread, didn't use it for anything but what God wanted him to, with, with what he called him to come and do on earth, but he waited, and what does the Lord do? Sends those angels, and they minister to him, you see. Now remember, Jesus is our ultimate example. He never did sin. We will sin and fall short. Because we're just mere men and women who are saved by grace. But God is forgiving. If we will confess our sin, agree with God. You know, it's important to agree with God with that sin. You know, we don't like to agree sometimes. 
But if we will agree with God, that's, that, that's what that confess means, you know. I agree, Lord. I, I, I fell short here. I have sinned in this particular way. And if, if you can, be somewhat, uh, somewhat, uh, um, don't, don't try to generalize it too much. But it, you, when you know what the sin is, you, you confess that sin. And when you really confess that sin, it makes you think. But he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what we don't, we have a hard time receiving because we, we don't know, why would God forgive somebody like me? You know what I mean? But he does. Jesus paid it all. We will go through times of testing. Don't forget it. The tests show us who we are. God already knows. Remember that. The tests will be used to encourage you. Notice in Hebrews 11, guys, when you go through all that, Abel, all of them, they live by faith, right? And what's interesting, Abraham and all, the guys, in that, all those folks, in that situation, God doesn't, uh, re, he doesn't reannounce the places where they fell short. He, see them as, he sees them in, the, in that, that hall of faith as the finished work, amen? And he knows us for who we are and who we're going to be. But he's working in that us, you see. We're saved. We, we have been saved. We are living out that salvation now. And, it, and that's where he's working in us both to will and do. And when he says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he doesn't mean to work for your salvation. Live it out. Walk it through as he sets us apart for his, his work. And then the glorification of all will come when we go to be with Him in glory. Amen? So God knows what is needful to draw us closer to Him, to build character in our life, you see. Without Him, we are lost and can do nothing effectively. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? And one more scripture, and then I'll, I'll, I'll close it out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is a good promise. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Remember that. What Satan wants to do is we, we get condemned over something we've done and we think we're the only ones that ever experienced that. I can't talk to anybody about that. We're all of like passion. We're all of the, of, of, have, have very similar difficulties. And so no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But, and I love this, but God is faithful. Always remember God is faithful when, when we're not. He still is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with, but with the temptation, will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so I want to remind you today, so we need to, we need to think of this. First of all, we need to be sure we're in the Word of God. That's how we're going to know. That's how, because it, it's, it's those times we're in the Word and we allow... Um, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, we, we're yielded to the Holy Spirit, so He brings those things to our remembrance. Because you're going to hit, be hit at times you don't even expect with a temptation. And you're going to have a test that you don't expect. But you must remember that God is in control. If you will but learn His Word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust. That means... Put your confidence in Him. Lean not. And here's where we get ourselves in trouble. When we lean on our own understanding. We're to lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all His ways. How are we going to acknowledge Him? We better be in the Word of God. And I mean really in the Word of God. And as you're, as you're in the Word of God, He will speak to you by His Holy Spirit. And sometimes, you know, and pay attention to those action words 
in the Word of God. And all the rest of it, but those are good. But anyway, trust in the Lord. Learn His Word. And it wouldn't hurt to, you know, I didn't say all this, some of this in the first service, but quote it when you need to. Memorize it. Oh, memorize it? Yeah. Because see, as you, as, you, as you treasure it, as you hide it in your heart, it is that which will come forth in the time of need. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, we do thank you for this opportunity we've had to be in your word this morning. I pray that you would take this and apply it to our hearts, Lord. That we would trust you, that we would look to you. That in time of need, whether we're, whether we're just really on the mountaintop or sliding down the valley, may we trust you and look to you. In Jesus' name, amen.